Hi, everyone. Janet McMorty here. My personal Instagram page at Janet underscore MCM was hacked, and I haven't been able to get it back. I have honestly no idea how it happened. But if you could all report the account as an imposter or a scam, then block and unfollow. That would be great. I don't care about getting it back. I just want to shut it down, which Instagram is making impossible, as if you've ever been hacked, you would know. I just want it shut down because I hate that I made my loved ones vulnerable to hackers and fraud. It could have been worse. Learn from my mistakes and secure your accounts as best as you can. Cheers, everyone. Stay safe. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Diane Sargent. Diane was a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and now turned actor. We have an incredible conversation talking about how discouraging it can be as a female aging in this business, what Diane does to get rid of that discouragement and uses it to fuel her creative fire. We talk about how, you know, this industry is kind of like a slot machine, takes advantage of us like casinos take advantage of gamblers, right? We get, we pull the lever and then we get that every so often a big hit of serotonin when you win some money or you book something and then it's a dry spell and you're pulling the lever and pulling the lever for, and dry spell and dry spell for a long time. But you keep coming back and trying to pull the lever because that hit of serotonin when you book something felt so damn good. And so we chat about that and talk about what to do and how to keep the pursuit of acting joyful. Not just the art of acting, we all love the art of it, but how to keep the pursuit of it joyful. This episode was also a game changer for me. Chatting with Diane was a game changer because she introduced me to a book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. This is not an ad. I am not sponsored by this book or Elizabeth Gilbert in any way, shape, or form. It really was transformative for me as a creative artist. I know it was for Diane as well, too. So Elizabeth Gilbert wrote the book Eat, Pray, Love. Then she wrote a book called Big Magic about, you know, what happened when she was trying to write the next Eat, Pray, Love, because that was the creative expectation that was put on her by not only herself, but society as well, too. A really lovely part of this book, I suggest you read it, but something that really hit home for me was the idea of marrying your creative self. So you are with your creative self in sickness and in health, if you choose to be, and if it's the pursuit of your creative art, acting, or writing, or whatever it is for you, if that pursuit is still bringing you joy. If not, you can divorce it. But marrying it if it's still bringing you joy in sickness and in health until you die. And that kind of took a lot of pressure off of me, saying, oh, I love acting. I'm going to continue to love acting until I die, in whatever way, shape, or form that looks like in sickness and in health. If it's community theater, if it's just acting in my basement, if it's just singing in the shower, if I get to be a big lead on a huge Marvel movie... It's going to be there as some part in my life through good times and bad until I die because I love the pursuit of it and I find it just so joyful. Please enjoy Diane Sargent. Moore's podcast and through Michael Toe, her interview Michael, Michael Toe. Toe. And then, so she, like, I've, I don't know Audrey personally, obviously, but she and I have communicated over Instagram just about building this podcast. And she's linked me up with Michael, as well as a couple other people that she knows and like identify as second act actors. And um, yeah, it's, it's been so fun. <laughs> There's a lot of us. There are. And I think... Yeah. And I think it's, I think there's probably going to be a growing amount of us, especially with, I think, the pandemic really kind of shifting people's priorities and oh, absolutely. making people realize. Yeah. Well, in 2021, there was the Great Resignation. Yes. Over 46 million people resigned from their jobs. It was a record number in the history of the United States. We've never had that many people resign. And so many people are transitioning into other jobs, more lucrative jobs, but also finding their passions and looking for what lights them up and reevaluating what they want in their life mm -hmm. and turning to creative outlets like music, writing, acting, the whole, all of them. Yeah. 
And I definitely think we're part of that surge of mm-hmm. second act actors of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So tell me your story. How did you get into this crazy world? I have been a second act actor for 10 years. And I feel like 2021, I really leaned into it. But my story is I was born in South Africa. And when I was about 10 years old, I grew up on a, on, my parents had a factory and we had a tiny little gold mine that never really produced any gold. But, (laughs) so I grew up with this really weird little childhood. When I was 10 years old, my parents built a boat from scratch in the middle of South Africa, dead center, not near water. And we took that boat and we put it on a truck, drove it to the ocean, Felt, put, the, put it in the ocean and left with no crew, just me, my two sisters, and my mom and dad, and we sailed to the United States. Oh we ended up in San Diego, and in San Diego, my dad decided that he wanted to start an ostrich ranch. So I ended up growing up on an ostrich ranch very close to the San Diego Wild Animal Park. And that's where I went to high school. So South Africa boat, ostrich ranch. In high school, I found that I had a knack for theatrics. I loved it. I was, I ended up, I even got a scholarship for, um, at at a Shakespeare festival. And I remember winning a lot of awards for my improv group. And really, I was a president of the drama club, the whole, everything. And there was this boy that I had a huge crush on and he he definitely had me deeply in the friend zone. But one day we were talking, and obviously I was fully involved in acting, and I told him I thought about going to L.A., which is fairly close to San Diego, and becoming an actor. And he told me I just wasn't pretty enough. So I was like, oh, okay. So I thought about it, and I decided to go another direction. So... I ended up becoming an acupuncturist. So I had a private practice. I, well, I went to school. I got a doctorate in, I was a physician of Chinese medicine. I became an acupuncturist. I opened a practice and I, I didn't love it, but I did it. I had to like use my degree. And then from there, I ended up starting a market, an online marketing and publishing company for acupuncturists. Mm-hmm. So I was able to use my degree, but I, I was on the marketing side. So I, I ended up having the biggest online referral service for acupuncturists. And I did that for a good 10 years. And after 10 years, I was getting really burnt out and I decided it was time to sell the company. So I put my package together and I found a buyer. It was right in 2010, 2011, before Yelp and before Google Local really had their hands in that field. And I ended up selling my company to a private equity firm that was looking to get into the referral service business. So at this time, my children were four and six and um, I had all this free time on my hands and I had the ability to explore what I wanted to do because I had sold the company and I had a chunk of change. So I started taking a local acting class for adults. What are those daytime classes where there's eight to 10 weird adults in the class and they were having a showcase. So I did a monologue from Confessions of a Shopaholic three weeks into the class. And there was an agent from Los Angeles at the showcase, and she signed me. And that's when I caught the bug. And I decided, well, let's give it a go. Let's see what I can actually do with this. And as you know, this is a very addictive thing. I became very obsessed, and I got all in, like I do with everything. I I do that with everything. And so I took the classes. I was going to the showcases, going to the workshops, going to the auditions, submitting myself to auditions. Um, Note to self, 
random Los Angeles a agents going to a adult acting class aren't the best agents. So it wasn't like I hit off running having these amazing auditions, but it got me in the door and I was I was on the track. And that's that's how I became an actor. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> the story of you know like just getting on a boat to South Africa and like coming like that's just were you like that? I, I'm just thinking about your parents, like doing that. Yeah. Like, what an interesting family dynamic that must have been. They were in their early 40s. Wow. And just took this trip. I, they'd always wanted to done, do a circumnavigation around the world. This was in the 80s, so they were. Uh, it was apartheid time, and mm -hmm. the politics was getting crazy. And my father wanted to get his girls out of the country and. We took the opportunity. He'd always been in love with the States, and we came. Wow. Were they creative people as well? Did they support your creativity in high school? Did you feel that from them? I don't think I ever did, no. It was always just... No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I was always interested in writing more than acting. The acting was what I did, but I, I never felt any kind of uh, support for pursuing it in any way. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I think everyone always just assumed it was just a, a fun thing that you do, but you don't really make a living from it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that was a little too far for them to imagine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find... Like, what do you find that you pull from your career prior to now your acting career? Like, do you find you have any transferable skills, or what have you brought in from that first act of yours? So, of course, the observation of people. Chinese medicine is very much about looking for the subtleties and really observing people. And acting is very much about observation and catching every nuance and when because you're reacting to another person mm -hmm. that's definitely something I've brought in on the business side of it because I am a serial entrepreneur um, is the the business of it the marketing the the pitching the constantly trying different things and and meeting the challenges and and enjoying the challenge of it and finding what works, what doesn't, and and just going with the flow, navigating through it, figuring it out. Yeah. I That's love definitely that what I came from it. Yeah, so sorry to interrupt you. I love that you said enjoying the challenge of it. That's been a vein that like a common thread that I've seen with a lot of people who are second act actors is that I think this business is so hustly and like hustle culture can be pretty kind of deteriorating for the soul, I think. But if yeah. you've already experienced what it's like to build something, build a business, build a career, build a life, and you enjoy that discovery phase and that building phase of it, I think that is so beneficial. Um, yeah, for sure. It is. It is discouraging sometimes, but I, I do love the challenge. And I, I remember in the beginning describing it as there's this door and I don't know how to get in the door. <laughs> and then you get in the door and you realize actually there is no door. Everyone behind the door is also looking for the door. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And I think I remember being really frustrated when I started out because like the career paths that a lot of people come from are pretty like the door is open. It's very clear. This very is the clear. process that you have to go to succeed in this business, in this career. Sure. You follow all these steps and then you will become, in my case, a doctor, uh, uh, you know, doctor, like an acupuncture, doctor of Chinese medicine. You follow all these steps, you pass all the exams, ding, you're done. Mm -hmm. Or in acting, it's like, Sure, you can follow all the steps, but it's you're still not guaranteed to be kind of success successful. No. Which can be so discouraging because it feels like there's a bit of a veil over 
you know, how to succeed in this business and if there is a proper definition of what success is. Yeah. So, yeah, I have two things that I thought of when you were talking about that. The the first thing is the challenge is real. This, (laughs) and I think that maybe for you and me, well, for me, and I'm wondering if this is you too, we're attracted to that challenge and we like the idea of being the long shot. Mm. Just to throw some statistics at you, there are 160,000 SAG actors. Of that, 2% are defined as working actors, meaning that they make enough to not have a side job. That's 3,500 people. Only 15% of SAG after actors make enough to qualify for medical insurance. To make enough for medical insurance, you have to make $15,000. That means only 24,000 actors. Okay, I hope my math is right there. But about only 24,000 actors make over $15,000 a year. Wow. Now, add to that the statistic from 2020, they looked at all SAG after actors, all 160,000, and up to age 34, men and women are pretty much equal with their roles. When you get up to 40, age 40, the, the amount of roles for women compared to men drops by 70%. Oh. This is a legitimate, real statistic straight from SAG. So you're looking at, you're trying to get, you're you're trying to reach a goal that is like being a high school football player and wanting to win a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. 3,500 people and also being a woman over 40 who gets 70% less roles. How many are there? So unless you enjoy the challenge and you really accept that you're going for a long shot and you realize you're a little bit crazy, (laughs) this is not for you. Yes. Wow. So that, I, I had known the percentage of working actors was quite low. I did not realize that stat about women over the age of 40. I mean, I knew we weren't allowed to age in this industry. I knew that. And in North America, we're not allowed to age. I did not realize the hard numbers. That is a kick in the gut. Wow. You know, the good thing is that this is the golden age of television. There are more shows streaming than ever in the history of film and television. So even though there's 40%, 70% less for us, there are more roles than ever before mm-hmm. just because of the sheer number of shows. So it's not all bad news. <laughs> but when you're faced with stats like that or like long shot odds, what do you do to prevent yourself from, I mean, it's obviously human nature to get discouraged every once in a while, but what do you do to help prevent yourself from saying, all right, that's it. I'm done. That is a great question. And I think this is a, a journey, this pursuit of a profession in creative arts is a pursuit that has a lot of peaks and valleys. Um, the one thing that has worked for me, and this is something listening to your show that always comes up because I struggle with using the word career. And... For me, the definition of a career is something that pays the bills. But when you're in the pursuit of a creative art, but as a profession, it's, it's so much more than a hobby. You can't call it a hobby. If you're like me, and, and I think every single person I've heard on your podcast has been as obsessed as I am. We're spending hours and hours and hours. This is not a hobby. This is the pursuit of a profession. So what, what happened with me to accept the odds of this challenge is to rephrase this from career. I can't call it a hobby. I can't because it's not. I, 
I called it my vocation. And as a vocation, this is something that I am committed to completely. The, the pursuit of, of um, excellence as an actor, the, the pursuit of the profession, is something that I'm never going to stop doing. And I took all the expectations off of it. Mm-hmm. I don't look to acting for anything. I don't look to acting for my validation anymore. I don't look to acting to pay my bills. I look at acting as something that I want to give to because it's my vocation. So I'm the one that supports it. I don't look for it to support me mentally, physically, spiritually. And when I did that, I took all the pressure off and it's, it's worked really well for me. It's a difficult place when you're you're in the pursuit of acting versus a career. And I hear you say it all the time, and I really wanted your take on it, too, because this is something I struggle with. Yeah, and I, I, I like what you're saying because you're taking, like you're saying, it takes the pressure off and it gives you more power. And I think where I struggle is because I see it as like, so say if I'm faced with an audition, I see it and I you know, do all the breakdown and stuff like that. And I see it as like, okay, here is what I want to, what I think they want from me. And so I do that. And it's not really real because I'm thinking more about like, what do they want from me as an actor? But what I found, especially over the last couple months and from chatting with other second act actors and hearing similar stories to yours, right, is being like, flip the narrative and say, what can I give to this? And just it frees it up more, I find, at least in my body to be like, this is what I can give. And I'm not trying to like, I don't know what the right word is. I'm not trying to prove to you that I can be what you want me to be. I'm just going to be me and just free it up and take the pressure off myself and give you what I love to do. I need to have, I need to enjoy what I'm giving to you. And I didn't enjoy it when I was like, so focused on like, I need to be exactly what they want me to be. Yeah. The biggest example I find is I'm up in Canada and they shoot, we shoot a ton of Hallmark movies up here. And so Hallmark is very type right? Like there's a very specific trope that they want and all the little characters are very specific. And I was falling into that trap of like, I need to be the exact caricature of what I see in my mind as the Hallmark best friend, which is what I go out for all the time. And it was just coming across horribly. But recently my auditions, I've just been like, you know what? This is, here's what I'm solving a problem for you. Here is my take on this character. I'm freeing it up. And I'm not putting any pressure on myself. I'm rambling on and yeah. on here, but no, it's I hear free. you. And I actually can relate on so many levels because um, I just came back from spending a month in Hawaii on location shooting a Hallmark movie. Yay! That's so cool. <laughs> and the audition, I did not give them what I thought the Hallmark mom which is what I play, Mm -hmm. would be. And I went for a little more comedy, and I went for very much being myself. Mm. And that's what booked it. So, yeah, when you just let go and do your thing and just let your authenticity come through, it works Mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's so true. And I think it's funny because everyone always asks me, oh, like, oh, like, does that, has that, what's your process? Tell me your process. I'm like, I have a process now that works for me. And this is going to sound cocky and I don't mean it to be. It works for me. And it makes me, when I look back at my tapes, so proud. And like, I also go, oh, that was fun. Do I book roles? Not very often. But I, the stats, right? The stats are working against us. But if all 
like all we can do is just enjoy what we're putting out there, be proud of what we're putting out there, being like, yeah, that was great. And then and being your authentic self, right? And I think we hear that so often and it's kind of like overused. You're kind of like, okay, be your authentic yeah, self. Yeah, but keep you listening to it because when yeah. it clicks, it clicks. It's so true. It's so true. That's awesome. I love that. I just read this. Well, I didn't just read. I have a book that I highly recommend to everyone. It's mm. I call it my Bible, but it's called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm. And in it, she discusses all of the things that we're talking about, about pursuing creative art. And she actually went through a, a ritual where she, by herself, married her... She's a writer, but she married her writing. And she, she committed to, to it. I, I'm not doing it justice. Everyone needs to read this book, Big Magic. But she, uh, she married it, and she said, I'm, I'm going to support you. I'm, I'm going to spend my life with you, and I'm marrying you. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not going to put a timeline on this. I'm doing it out of pure love and I'm going to pursue it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's lovely. So I think about, you know, and that's the also when times get rough, we're going to, I'm going to stick with you and not just yeah. give up. Right. I think that's, that's lovely. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Has there been anything that has really surprised you? about the industry since starting? Yes. Mm. I can't quit. Hmm. I can't quit. It's the most addictive thing I've ever done. (laughs) And I find with other friends of mine, it's the same thing. It can be the most frustrating roller coaster. They can't get off. Um, And so I looked into it, and it is an addiction, and it's very similar to slot machines. There is this scientist, his name was Skinner, and he was experimenting on rats, on positive reinforcement, giving rats a little pellet and making them push a button. And one day in his lab, he was running out of treats to give to the rats. So instead of giving the treats a rat for every time they pushed the button, he started giving the treats sporadically instead of every single time they hit the button. And what he noticed, he found out, discovered randomly from this thing that he didn't have enough treats, is that the rats hit the button more when they didn't get a treat every time. Hmm. And, of course, the gambling industry loves the study and they've modeled their business on the study because all those people with the slot machines are just sitting there waiting for the money to come out and it doesn't come out. And I think that's what's happening with me with acting. You get it? You get this amazing hit. You book something. You you perform and everyone gives you a standing ovation. You you get an agent, like all these great things. And then suddenly there's crickets. And it's something called intermittent reinforcement. And it is, has been found to be the most addictive thing in the world. So I'm warning everyone, if you're going to get into acting, be mindful of the addictive nature of pursuing the craft. Because you have to be careful. You got to you got to balance it with your life. you got to make sure that you're still living a whole life and that you're allowing the acting to bring you joy. Don't let it suck the joy out of you. So if you're just pretend you're going to Vegas to have a good time, don't go sit down at a slot machine and then look up and realize you've lost 10 years of your life. <laughs> I think it's tough uh, to balance that, like really tough uh, for me personally, uh, because I recognize the love and joy of the craft of acting and the beauty of all of that. Like you were saying, like I, I performed in an imp- improv group. We had a show on Friday and I was still high from like the, the applause, right? Uh, it's hard to balance that with the logical business side of this like this is Mm -hmm. show business it still needs to be a business how do you blend those two 
to maintain that balance between the joy of it, but also logically still needing to function as an entrepreneur? I use the love of it to work on becoming better, the pursuit of excellence. So I, I do separate the two very much in my mind. And I, I focus as much as I can on pursuing the art, in improving myself, going to classes, doing my self-tapes, because that's the stuff that you have control over. You know, in Big Magic, she says that the pursuit of a, an art like this as, as a business is very much like a crazy rich old lady with all this money that ends up leaving her fortune to the pool boy. You never know who's going to actually get it. You have no control who's going to get the part or find success or whatever your definition of success is in this career. So you've got to keep it separate. And if you find the love of it and you find... It's not even love of it. It's, it's routine. It's mm. finding a routine and making habits. And so that no matter what happens with the ups and downs, you're stable because you know what you're doing that day. You just keep it going. So keep your routine. That's in in Buddhism, I think they call it washing the bowl. But, you know, you're trying to find enlightenment. You can't get frustrated trying to find enlightenment. You just got to go wash your bowl. Like, do your laundry. Do your dishes. Go to acting class. You keep on going. It's like a, you make it a routine. And then the rest of it will take care of itself. What's I the, say that a lot to myself. Wash my bowl. Wash my wash bowl. My bowl. <laughs> wash my I bowl. love that. That's <laughs> makes sense when I said it. But it that's what I, yeah. <laughs> what for you do you find, like, what's the best part about acting for you? What do you love about it? I think it's been the journey. I realized that I do, I'm such a goal-oriented person, but finding that the challenge of it and the pursuing it and wrapping my head around it and figuring out how to not have these huge ups and downs. And I've learned so much about myself through the process. It's been, it's, it's been my life and I, and I absolutely love it. And I never, I, yeah, which is surprising. I, I don't know. I'm surprised that that's my answer, but it is. I think that if you, if you are honest with yourself of why you originally come into this, you know, um, you're burnt out and you're looking for something to bring you joy or you're looking for a significance. You want to be significant or you want to um, escape from yourself or you're looking for confidence. And everything that I've ended up getting from acting has been finding myself, being more myself, um, dealing with self-doubt, not confidence, uh, be, finding true humility. And all of that's just actually made me a better person. And, and it's just been a really cool journey, if that makes sense. It, oh, it so, totally does. And you find out that the fun things in this business are the people, the community, all the things in the journey, more so than those goals that we're going for all the time. You finally get the big part and you're sitting in your trailer and you're like, oh, oh, wow. Like it's the pursuit of it that I think gives us the good, the good feelings. It's what we're addicted to. Yeah. Totally, totally, yeah. Do you have any uh, good or funny, favorite, memorable onset stories? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know the the movie that I just did in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, we ended up the final day of shooting. We did an outdoor wedding in Hawaii, and with like a hundred background, and we had an ice sculpture. And it was the craziest day for weather in Hawaii. I think seven or eight storms went through. So we'd be filming and be in the middle of everything. And then suddenly we'd, this, it would just suddenly just pour with rain. Immediately, just blah, like the sky would open up. And then we'd all hide for about 10, 15 minutes. And then it would blow over and then it'd be sunny. 
And then we'd go out and we'd do our thing. And then 10, 15 minutes later, the, the sky would just open up. It was insane. Wow. So that was a kind of a crazy story that happened recently. <laughs> yeah, that it, I'm so excited. Are you allowed to say what the movie is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I don't know when this when this podcast will come out, but mm -hmm. it's going to be on June 4th on the Hallmark Channel. It's called yeah. Hidden Gems. Hidden Gems. Oh, I love me a good Hallmark movie. Yep. <laughs> People love Hallmark movies. Oh, yeah. And I always say, you know, uh, we got to watch these movies because for us, these are the rules we're going out for. And this is like studying. Stuff. Yeah. every yeah. I think every single Christmas movie is made in Canada. Yep. Because <laughs> it's winter all year round. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what do you think your like parents, loved ones, guardians, family, friends, how do they describe what you do for a living? Oh, it's my kids, which one is standing right there right yeah. now. But, um, my kids are 15 and 17, and they've really watched me go through this. We're going to have to pause for a sec, Janet. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what's up? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so for family members, I'd say I have to say my kids are the ones that have watched me. And yeah, they're, they just think it's weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> I remember I had my first TV audition I ever got. It was for this network sitcom. And I was at Target when I got the audition notification. And I was so excited. And my son was probably around Seven, six or seven at the time, he just looked at me and goes, well, you can't get so excited because you're not going to get it. <laughs> I was like, you little fucker. Like, he was right. <laughs> it's so funny because everyone I talk to who's got children, who like our mom <laughs> actors, second act actors, their kids are just so embarrassed. And like, yeah. like, and they're like, why? Like, like, I don't know why my kids are so embarrassed. Like, when the person I was just talking to yesterday, she's in a national commercial here in Canada. And it's for, I think it's like a, I think it's Popeye's chicken, like a chicken commercial. And she's hilarious in it. She's, and it came, it comes on all the time during hockey games. Yeah. And she's like, my kids have never been more embarrassed that I'm their mother in their entire life. They're like 15 or 16. And so they're like, mom, everyone keeps saying at high school, they see you on TV all the time. She's like, that's great. They're like, no, it's so embarrassing. She's like, oh, for God's sakes. Yeah. I was just listening to an interview with Jason Bateman from Ozark and he was saying the same thing. Oh my so God. We're not alone. We're not no. alone. They just think it's weird, but yeah. there's, you know, they're starting to, uh, once in a while I'll take him to a screening and they get to see mom on a big theater and, and then they're like, oh, or, or they'll see an audition. And if they recognize the, the name of the show, they're like, mm. oh, wait, you're, you're auditioning for that? Wow. Um, my husband has been 100% supportive. I mean, I have been, I haven't seen my family for a month. I went directly from Hawaii and then I am on a national commercial campaign I was home for one day. So I was in Hawaii for a month. I flew home. I was home for one day. And then I flew out to Arizona to film a, a, the second lot of commercials for this campaign. And I haven't seen my family. I didn't see him for over 30 days. Wow. Yeah. And he, he did everything. So awesome. he's very supportive. And I try and think like he loves golf. And I would, I'm trying to imagine what I would do if he suddenly turned to me and was like, honey, I've decided I'm going to quit my job and be a professional golf pro <laughs> and I'd be like wait a minute like do you, you can't like do you know how competitive is you, you're not on a tour what are you talking about so I try and like reverse our roles and I'm like wow no he's he's amazing <laughs> that's awesome that's great I think it's it's so key to have a support system around you right because I think we don't graduate from places like theater school with a built-in support network so the only people we really have to support us in this weird and wonderful journey that we're on are our family and supportive friends right it's not yeah. like we've got like a built-in support network from school um I find yeah so, yeah and also for me the longevity, you have to be in this for the long haul. And the only way I could do that without, I, I, I could never 
put all of the responsibility of of the finances on my husband. Mm -hmm. The fact that I was able to sell my company and I still act as a CFO in a company right now because I it's for me it's about the guilt of pursuing a passion yes. without providing. Yes. Mm -hmm. You got to for me I have to provide and mm -hmm. and I think that if you're pursuing something you need to be able to be sensible about it and make sure you are taking care of yourself financially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's important. And that's what's so wonderful about being a second act actor. We all have these... We're established and we're able to do it all. And I've got two kids that are about to go to college. I've... I want to retire. I've got mortgage payments. Like there's mm -hmm. things that we need to take care of. And so you have to, anytime you want to pursue any art, you, it's going to be for a long time. And the only way you can stay in it is to take care of yourself financially. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. Mm -hmm. If you put a timeline on it and go, okay, well, I've saved up and I can do, or I can, I can work as, I can work the midnight shift at a restaurant for two years, but then I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. It's, you're putting too much pressure on, or too much expectation on your passion, on your vocation. Mm. So instead I come, I come from it with, I'm going to support it. I support myself so that I can pursue this. Oh, I like that. I think like you just put into words a lot of what I've been, what I've been kind of struggling and finding the words, right? Like there is such a guilt in pursuing a passion that's yeah that's just crystal clear right and I think like where did that come from for you I'm gonna where it came from for me was a very cheap Irish upbringing and and money being a very big deal um when I was growing up and so that's where I think now like I need to provide and I need to feel like I'm providing equally with my partner and it's not like yeah. that's, I'm not getting pressure from anyone to do that. It's only coming from myself. <laughs> I get a lot of my own sense of significance and importance from the fact that I'm a smart, powerful, independent person. Yeah. I, that's why I've got these uh, fancy degrees. That's why I've sold companies. I, I mean, I say that with a lot of ego behind it. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Um, that's why <laughs> it's, yeah. it's because that's where I get my sense of importance. If I was having somebody else support me while I do that, it wouldn't fit my own feelings about myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're a medical doctor. You must have a <laughs> lot of pride, but you should have a lot of pride yep. about that yeah. to, to suddenly say that somebody else is supporting you. So can you, without would not fit your narrative, I don't think. It's You're so right. And I think there's also, <laughs> let's use the word guilt again. There's also a guilt about having that pride, which is funny because I've, I've had this discussion with a lot of women before about how we as a society use the word ego negatively and say like, you know, shut down your ego and all that stuff. But, you know, like this is getting a bit soapboxy, but like we as women in this society, like have been programmed to not have an ego, right? Because we're supposed to be yeah. like society has told us to never have an ego. So it's like, what ego are you trying to shut down? I never had one to begin with. Well, I'll take it a step further, <laughs> where as an actor, People always try and find a why that has to do with helping people. I want to be an actor so I can have this platform to talk about all these wonderful political things, or I'm an actor. Come on, let's be honest. We're egotistical beings as actors. The reason that we came into this is for ego. We want to feel important, special, significant. Yeah. We want to be seen. We All those things. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with ego, but you do have to find a place in yourself with balance so that you can embrace the fact that you do want to be all these things and that you have to already find all those things within yourself 
and not expect to find all those things in the pursuit of your art. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is, again, like a whole, like we've been talking about is that balance between all of these scales, right? Like how to find that. And I think that's, that is the whole journey, right? Like you've been saying, that's the pursuit that we're on and it needs to be enjoyable finding that pursuit, not only of, of acting, but of how we balance ourselves, right? Yeah. Like that's welcome to life. <laughs> Do you have any advice for anyone who is considering switching into a more creative career or pursuing their passion a bit more fully? Live frugally, save, know how to balance your money so that you can take care of your finances. Mm. It'll give you so much more peace so that you can pursue your art without any pressure so that you don't have to put a timeline on it or so that you don't have to quit because you can't afford to do it anymore. That's, that would be my number one recommendation is really take care of that. And also I think a second thing would be be honest with what it is that's drawing you into the pursuit of not the art itself. We all love the art. Like it's, Mm, you know, acting is lovely and all kinds of wonderful, but the pursuit of it is a very different animal. If you're pursuing it and you're ready to get jump in and dive in and be obsessed and addicted and go for it, find your joy along the journey. Enjoy every day and find your confidence, find your significance in your day-to-day -day life. Don't look for it on them some far-off goal that is a long shot goal. Hmm. And also, this is one thing I never realized, is that the goal will always change. You, your goal might be, oh, I just want to land a national commercial campaign. And you get the national commercial campaign, and you're like, oh, I just really want to get a guest star on a TV role. And then you get the guest star on the TV role, and you're like, I just know. Like, it's never going to be enough. You could be Nicolas Cage, and then suddenly you're not in fashion anymore, and you're no longer Nick. I just watched the movie, mm -hmm. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. But then suddenly you're not at the top anymore. The goal is always going to be changing, and, and if you don't find the space now to be happy and feel like you're enough and have your significance, you're never going to have it because the goal's always going to be out of reach. Do you, that's lovely, oh man, do you have any final words of wisdom? You know, this has been like filled with immense words of wisdom, holy crow. Oh. <laughs> Janet, if you haven't read Big Magic oh. by Elizabeth Gilbert, um, the first time I read it, I cried. It's, it really is my Bible. I, I think it addresses a lot of the struggles we have with mm. pursuing it and I, if she's a writer, but I mean, my God, can you imagine writing a novel and being like, well, I'm not going to write the novel unless it can be a number one bestseller. It, it, it just, it really wraps your head around the pursuit of an art and, and how to manage it and bring it into your life with a lot of joy. Oh. And that's, that's the thing that there's been moments in my journey where I found like the pursuit of it was so obsessive to me that it was sucking the joy out of my life. And that to me was a big red flag that I needed to, to change, to change things, to make everything fit in. Mm -hmm. yeah. awesome. so that would be my, and, and, you know, another thing is I, have you ever read the Jenna Fisher book, the Pam from the office? Yes. You One will see this read, number yeah. that says 10 years. And I hear it over and over again that you finally make it as an actor or things start to happen after 10 years. And if you look at someone in their 20s, they've probably been doing this since they were seven. So if you're a second act actor, you might only see things start to happen 
in 10 years. And it's, mm. it's, I even talked to my manager about it, and she was like, that is a legitimate number. Shit happens after 10 years. Patience and, like you're saying, patience and enjoying the journey, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing that I think was a huge journey for me is branding. Mm. And I started in my late 30s, and I found that the 30s is a really weird age for an actor, <laughs> for an actress. You're kind of an in-between age. Yeah. <laughs> You're, uh, it's a really weird age to be. And also, a lot of us are, you know, have always been told we look really young and pretty. Yep. <laughs> and suddenly you go to Hollywood and you're like, oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm the oldest and the least attractive person in this room. What the hell? <laughs> and it's, it, it took a long time for me to really find my niche of where people saw me. I was like, I'm a, I'm a physician. Like, I want to be the doctor. I don't, I don't play. I audition for doctor all the time. I never get doctor. Nope. (laughs) Apparently in Hollywood or on TV, this is not the doctor. This is, and it was a really big eye opener that what, what is, this is a visual art as, and when you're playing in the, the big league, you play yourself, you and not yourself inside. You play what people see you as, mm. and your your essence. And it takes a while to get there. So try and try and remove that need to be pretty. If you find a headshot that you want to use as your profile picture on your Instagram, it's probably not the right headshot. Mm-hmm. Unless you always play the really pretty girl, you want the headshots that go for more of the parts you're going to play, not what makes you feel good as your Instagram profile. I think that's so helpful, especially like you were saying, because most second act actors are coming at this, not fresh out of theater school, uh, but like like I'm in my late thirties and yeah, it's that weird hybrid time of, I'm getting a lot of mom roles, Yeah, uh, but it it is weird. Mom roles. Yeah. Young mom, young stressed mom. Yeah. But yeah, I love what you're saying about being a physician. And yeah, no, in Hollywood, being a physician is an old white guy. Like, we'll never book those roles. For me, it's always the Asian woman. I, I yeah. look at every single um, role that I've ever auditioned for as a as a doctor. It went to an Asian woman. Yep. And it's funny, I have a, I have a colleague of mine. Her, her name's Eliza, and she's a doctor in Hollywood and an actor as well, too. And she will argue against that. She's like, I never book the doctor roles. I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, and I'm even a doctor. I'm like, she's like, I'm even a doctor and Asian. I'm like, I know. Oh, my God. It's so bizarre. She should be, yeah. she should be booking like crazy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so, yeah. This, yeah. Branding is so important, and branding is, uh, yeah, something that, that has, I struggle with that a lot. Um, and it's something I, that I think my next goal for me personally as an actor will be trying to figure out that um, as I kind of turn 40 this year and stuff and kind of figure out where do I fit. Yeah. My brain says I'm still a 20-something who wants to be on a CW show. Exactly. <laughs> I want to be Angelina Jolie. I know. It's not, yeah, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. I play myself on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got into this to play Someone other else. people. I know, yeah. <laughs> I did, though. Was it two weeks ago? I got two auditions for two different projects. Both of them were for a character that was a witch. Oof, and I was fun. like, what is happening? Usually it's mom, 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 Hallmark friend, mom, mom. And I was like, oh, and I saw a funny thing on um, Graham Norton. I think it was Meryl Streep or someone like that talking about how when you turn a certain age, you no longer, like, all you get are, like, grandma or witch roles. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh-oh. I'm getting the witch Uh-oh, roles. I'm, I'm here for it, though. I'll be a witch. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'll be whatever. But, yeah, branding is tough. Um, how, did you do, how did you go about doing um, your branding? Like, how did you figure that out? So, in 2021, I had the best headshot. This red dress. 
and I'm all just looking directly at the camera. I look like such a boss. Just power, lead in a lifetime movie, headshot. I got 120 auditions in 2021. And these were juicy leads of... I, I had a... I had an audition with a full scene with El Pacino. I mean, like, amazing. Just boss ladies, all this stuff. And I, it was the best headshot. I was like, this is it. This is it. I didn't book anything. Nothing. And finally, I realized that the essence of this headshot, this hot red dress headshot, she's kind of like a Doberman. In real life, I'm kind of a chihuahua. I'm very short. I can say stuff and no one takes me seriously because they're like, oh, she's just so cute. Like, she's yelling at me. Oh. And so I had to. It was a big eye opener that I had this amazing headshot that was finally working. But I couldn't book it because I was doing a bait and switch. I'd come into the room or, and they would go, oh, that's not, that's not the boss lady. That's a chihuahua. So I switched it up and I... Put on, I got a headshot where I am very much the little lady that can say whatever she wants. And everyone's like, oh, well, it's not that serious because, well, look at her. And now I'm booking. Hmm. So for me, it was realizing I'm not a Doberman. I'm a Chihuahua. I'm chihuahua. Now, did you realize that on your own? Or did you have, like, does a coach help you with, like, styling and branding? Or was that just a self Oh my gosh, Janet, I've done everything. I've done those, I've done the thing where you like have a survey and you give it to strangers to ask them what they think of you. I've gone to acting masterminds where we're in a hotel conference room with hundreds of other actors and we all talk about it. No, nothing worked. I think what worked for me is finally realizing, just not trying to, to get that profile picture, going for more of a character. Mm. It's been a journey, and I'm still on it. It's been a real journey. I think that's the biggest struggle is finding your niche and, and realizing how people see you or how you're seen on, on in shows, mm. how you, how, where you are in the story. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. It is really And for me, another thing that was huge was cutting my hair. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 Which is very, like, if I look around my peer group, I'm the mom with the teenagers. We're all, we all have long hair. But in the world of television, the long hair goes to the younger. Mm -hmm. And when I had long hair, it looked like I was trying to be younger. Mm, interesting. So cutting my hair was really good for my brand. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th I, th I was thinking about, like, who do I see who is similar to you, like, on TV, and it's, and it's like, like, the mom in Modern Family, right? And she's got that, like, cute little bob, and, like, you do, yep. right? Like, for yep. sure. Yeah. The, the campaign, the commercial campaign I'm doing is sitcom style, and I'm very much like the mom in Modern Family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I'm, yeah, the, the mom, the... The Karen, I hate that word, but I play that really well. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Diane, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for your incredible words of wisdom, insightfulness, creative encouragement, and for recommending Big Magic to me. The book was wonderful. I recommend it to everyone, especially if you're a second act actor and especially if you're feeling a little lost about if your creativity is still bringing you joy. I'm not sponsored by the book or by Elizabeth Gilbert, but it is an incredible read. I hope you'll join me next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com.
Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!